0: When you see my message in my title, it ain't going to be any much different. So I know the Holy Ghost is already moving in this place today. And if we don't leave this service knowing that everything that has taken place in this service has been God divine ordered for your footsteps before you leave and go out into the streets of this city and into your life, amen, amen I, we're missing a beat. So I want to know today that before the end of this service is over, that God has done something in my life and that he's transformed and changed. Will you clap your hands if you believe that this morning? Amen. 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 I won't make these lovely ladies stand up here long, um, but this is my lovely family. Of course, you know us. We've been here through before. Uh, Last time we were illegal. This time we're legal. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. We do have our visa, so everybody stand down. Whoever you are, stand down. Um, But this is my wife, Mary Catherine, and my lovely daughter, Kayla. Why don't you wave your hand, everybody? And Alexa. Why don't you wave your hand, sweetheart? Or not. But uh, I'm going to let my wife just uh, talk for a few minutes, share a couple of things, and maybe even testify whatever she wants to do today. Uh, why don't you just welcome her this morning? Praise the Lord.
1: Excuse my voice. I, I do have a sore throat. It is not contagious. I hope. You can clean this microphone after. <laughs> but we are so honored to be here today. And uh, I'm not going to share too much of my childhood. Um, We might need another altar call, but uh, (laughs) I love you. Um, But as you know, we're from the nation of the UK and Channel Islands. And I don't know how much you already know about this, if uh, Brother Kyle has done a a Bible study on this or anything, but I'm just going to give you a little bit about the culture and not too much geography. I know it's Sunday morning, um, but just a little bit of information so you can better know what what we're facing. So the nation of the UK, when people say the UK or Great Britain, they automatically just think England. Well it's not. England is the biggest and they like to take most of the credit for everything. But there's also to the north Scotland, we also have Wales and Northern Ireland. So there's four countries total that are included in the UK. And there's also the Channel Islands that we are now appointed to. And the Channel Islands is a set of small, four small islands in the English Channel. And it's kind of a English and French influence. But we do have a contact there. We have people there that are one God, Holy Ghost filled, but they're needing a pastor. So if you can um, pray with us about that, um, this open door. It's a great open door to have and uh, just pray with us and for direction in that. So in the small island, if you were to look on a map, it is very, very small. However, there's about 68 million people in the UK. And it envelops many cultures, many traditions. It's a very rich history, uh, rich in history. Um, But we're happy to say that over the past few years, we've grown to 55 churches throughout the UK. And we are so happy for each and every one of those churches. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But just to show you the vastness of uh, what we're facing, um, Illinois has about 12.8 million people, and you have roughly about 190 churches. So we have 68 million people, just a little bit more than you guys, but with only 55 churches. So just to bring it home for you and to see the need that is so great. When you travel throughout the UK, as some of you already have, I know, you um, experience lots of different accents, and cultures. I was born there. I'm sure um, Brother Kyle could come up and uh, do some of these accents for you if he hasn't already. But in England, although it is the largest one, there's lots of different accents. You might hear something like this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So it's a little bit softer, a little bit nicer. But if you were to go north to Scotland, it does get a little bit different. And uh, I'm going to read a paraphrase section of the New Testament. And this is when Jesus calls some of his disciples to be fishers of men. It is English. Let's see. All those who have been to Scotland can understand what I'm saying. When Jesus heard that John had been put in jail, he went off to Galilee. And from then on, he started his preaching, saying, "'Turn for your sins and turn to God.' Now, one day, as Jesus was taking a wee donner along the beach, he saw two brothers, Simon, Peter and Andy, casting their nets in the water. Come on with me, Jesus said, and I'll teach you not to catch fish, but to catch men. Well, right there and then, they left their fishing and went with Jesus. A wee bit further along the beach, Jesus saw two mere brothers, Jimmy and John, mending their nets with their feather. And Jesus called to the brothers. And at once, they left their feather and went along with Jesus. So... You can challenge him next week, he should teach Sunday school like that. Um, What can also confuse some things is we use different words. So it's not just the accent, we use different words for things. Chips are crisps and fries are chips. Uh, Soccer is football, the elevator is a lift, the trunk of your car is the boot of your car, and the hood of your car is the bonnet of your car. We do not go to the restroom, we just simply go to the toilet. And we don't take trash out, we put the rubbish in the bin. So that can be, you say rubbish, what are you talking about? And uh, one more thing is we do not ask for biscuits and gravy, cookies are biscuits. So it wouldn't taste very nice if you were to ask for biscuits and gravy, never mind the looks you might get. Um, oh yes, sorry, I forgot that one. This is a fun one we've liked to share it along the road and uh, in Scotland. If you're going to call someone on the phone, you just say, I'll give you a tinkle. (laughs) So you can play that prank on someone. Say, I'll give you a tinkle. But when thinking of all these differences between uh, North America and the UK and Channel Islands, it can be quite daunting. And uh, we see so many souls that are still waiting to hear about truth and salvation. And in our ministry... And in your own life, you can sometimes be discouraged about the task that is before us. The Bible says in the book of James, you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We have to keep a goal set in our mind each and every day that wherever we go in this world, whether it be the UK, Channel Islands, Salem, Illinois, Chicago, Texas, wherever you go, we should be a reflection of Jesus Christ each and every day of our life. And yes, we're on deputation right now, and uh, the task itself can be quite daunting. But to help us along the way, our girls have something that they want to give to your pastor. Please help us reach the United Kingdom and Channel Island. And they have a partner in missions form. That they're going to give to your pastor to partner with us and thank you for that and we also have some projects that we're raising some funds for you can see them on our board here we have some project forms on our table and also if you have a smartphone you can give towards that as well very easy to do that if you don't have a smartphone you can borrow mine i'll help you with that but all these things deputation your life your own life the struggles they are real But there are so many testimonies that we could share with you today that lives have been changed because they have simply reflected Jesus Christ. Healings have happened, miracles took place, lives were saved, and souls were won for Christ. We're going to show you a video here of what God is doing in the UK and Channel Islands. And at the end of the video, there's lots of different pictures, but if you can remember, at the end of the video, there's two pictures of a girl. Her name is Mary Jo. And her testimony is so powerful. She was on the brink. She was a young girl, 17, 18 years old. She was on the brink of ending her life. And the picture you will see is her crossing a bridge that she would cross every single day that went over train tracks. And all she wanted to do was jump. I don't mean to be you know, too graphic today, but this is the world we're living in. And it wasn't until a young person from our church who knew her. All he said was, Jesus loves you. Her thought process began to change and she realized that him reflecting Jesus Christ by simply saying, Jesus loves you, changed the path that she was on. And I'm proud to stand here today to say that she is now a graduate of our Bible school. And she is active in our Sunday school and youth ministries, continually helping young ladies like herself who walk that same road to know that each day we should reflect Jesus Christ because you don't know whose path you're going to deter from doing what they want to do with their life. And this is just one testimony that by simply reflecting Jesus in the UK and Channel Islands, things are happening and we thank you. We thank you for the connection we have with this church. Thank you, Pastor, for coming, and Sister Jean for teaching in our Bible school. Thank you for that connection we have, because things are happening. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you all.
0: Just going to give a little bit of illu- a little bit of illustration. Of our young ministers in some of the similar garb. The beautiful city of Lascaux. In the daytime. Can tell there's
1: something this,
0: this is called Loch Lomond. Such a beautiful place. This was taken with a camera phone. A beautiful, beautiful picture. We
1: are called to
0: be Prayer walk in Edinburgh. Something
1: different, something we are called to be a part of something beautiful.
0: A beautiful Scottish flag on a pole and on the back be. of our young people praying for revival. Oh, as well in Northern Ireland. We're hungry, right. hungry for revival. We are
1: called to be
0: Some of the beautiful cities of Edinburgh, truth. Loch Lomond area, as well. This lady in the middle has been bringing members to the church over the last year and a half. Some of the things that we do at our local church in Glasgow, here on the national level, our first ever National Youth Congress, and some of our Bible quizzes that we've just had over the last three years. In this first ever National Youth Congress, had 300 young people show up, and six received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now baptized in the name of Jesus. For the of oh yeah! Nice. This lady that was baptized right here was brought to church by this next lady that you see. She's brought 30 people to the church in the last year and a half, and almost all of them have baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. love baptizing the local national people, seeing the Scottish people getting filled with the Holy Ghost hunger and to be a change, and here in a moment you're going to see us preaching on the street of Wales at our general conference, where 10 receive the Holy Ghost on the streets. As the world tells you that you can't handle the truth of the Word of God, but I'm here today to tell you that you can handle the truth, that you can believe it if you want to believe it. This is our general conference where we come together to pray for souls, but to pray for works. And we take it back to our local churches. This is one of the cities we first pastored in, the city of Edinburgh. Such a beautiful city. But as you can see here, we're praying for revival in our services. That church has gone from nine people in the last four years to almost over 50 people. God is truly doing a great work. And they've just got their first building. You see at our general conference, we have roughly about a thousand people that will attend. But here we are praying together. Not just praying to pray, but we're praying that God will bring us revival. We do it through our National Youth Board and other departments. We do it through leadership training in the the nation, wherever we go, and in our local churches. And then also we travel throughout the European region, here right in this picture in Holland, where we're doing a a leadership training weekend as well. But this is the result. We see young people graduate from our Bible school, and they receive their local license because they don't just stop there and they take the message and here we have young people in the last three years we've gone from zero quizzers to 48 young people quizzing in eight churches and then you see hungry hungry people hungering for the word of God here's what it turns into when you see young people learning the word this was just over a year and a half ago in a local McDonald's and I'll share that testimony with you in a moment Praising and loving the Lord. Will you just clap your hands today for what the Lord is doing? The one that you saw with the local McDonald's where the young people were in the restaurant, that was right after our Thursday night service where we uh, had asked the manager of that restaurant if we could just bring a few young people because there was nothing else that we could do in the area. And so when we showed up at that McDonald's, um, we were just intending to have food and just to eat in fellowship. That was the intention. There was roughly just over 120 young people, kind of like an upper room experience. And uh, we were in there. We still had locals coming in and people going through the drive through and whatnot. But after we had finished our food, the young people got really excited about just the service that we had had. It was an apostolic service. Brother Bernard did a wonderful job preaching an apostolic message. And then all of a sudden... Through that excitement, they did what you saw there in, in that little clip where they started dancing. And after about 30 minutes of dancing, uh, in the middle of that, we see I, I saw a local policeman show up at the door. And uh, funny enough, I said, oh my goodness, and something in my spirit just drew me to him. And I went to him because he was surveying the room. And I didn't see what was taking place, outside. So I went over talked to him. This man was Steve and found out that he was one of the chief of police for the area. And he said, I'm just looking to see what's going on here. We don't really know what's taking place. We had some people call, say the the restroom was overpacked. And I said, okay. I said, well, let me tell you. And I I said these words to him. I said, well, I'll tell you who we are and what we've done. We've just come from a Holy Ghost tongue talk and a Holy Rolling service where God just moved and his spirit fell in many ways. And he kind of looked at me with this look saying, like, what? And I said, well, we just experienced something great and we're just sharing it with everybody else because we just love Jesus and we want the world to know. He looked at me and he turned around and he says, well, I'm just going to leave you guys alone because there's something about you that I I don't see about normal kids. They're here to make trouble, but you're not here to make trouble. And he turned around and looked at the door and he did one of these. And I looked outside the door and I saw about four different police vehicles, what looked like uh, police officers in some SWAT gear, ready to storm the McDonald's and come in and remove our Pentecostal young people from the McDonald's. And so my my spirit kind of just sunk a bit and said, thank you, Jesus, for that. But no no less, after that, uh, Stephen left, the Holy Ghost uh, dropped in that place. Those young people began to sing hallelujah. And they sang the the highest praise in a soft, soft way. Immediately, the people behind the counter and the workers in the back that were making the food began to weep under the presence and the power of God. People came in from the streets and were videoing as we were doing that and singing. Some were ministering, preaching in different corners, witnessing to people around that McDonald's. Let me tell you what happened from that moment. We didn't know, but it was somebody from that city that posted that video online. McDonald's grabbed a hold of it and said, we want to post this and share this on a website. 5.8 million views later, we find out that this video is circulated worldwide. Where just young people came to a restaurant and says... I don't care that this is just a place where we come to eat, but I do want people to know that I've come from a church where I met Jesus Christ. And as they shared that experience, it went worldwide with over 5.8 million viewers. Within two weeks of uh, that happening, we did six interviews, uh, four with local newspapers, one with United Christian Broadcasting Station, where they broadcasted it throughout the UK and to all of our cities. Then we also got a letter from the national uh, head of of the Welsh Parliament who wrote to myself and to Bishop Francis with an address to David Bernard because they found out that Brother Bernard was there. And they said, whatever happened and took place in that McDonald's, can you please address and tell those young people that they can come here and they can go in any place, any store, and they can do that very same thing again. We got the favor of God in a city that we do not, not yet have a church But I'm believing that that door has been opened, that God is going to give us a a church in that city. And it's going to be a glorious church because we've already got favor. And the favor of God is going to open up doors for us. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you, folks, when you get out there and you just let the world know and let them see, as my wife was so eloquently saying, you reflect Jesus Christ. Something happens. Something changes. Amen. Don't ever keep your joy. Don't ever keep your Holy Ghost contained to this building. Amen. Don't let it just stay here. If you want to see this city change so fast, take your joy. Take your Holy Ghost outside the door. Worship and pray. Hey, when you pray for your meal, pray as loud as you can. In Jesus' name, bless this meal. Let somebody know that you love Jesus and watch God change your city just as fast as you can see it happen. Amen. God is so good and He's doing great things. And we're excited about the work. And if you guys will be with me just for the next few moments, I don't know how long I'll be. Brother Kyle said, prepare for a long message. So, And you said, you guys are okay with that. So <laughs> praise the Lord. I want to preach the word of the Lord. And I just feel the Holy Ghost. The Lord has spoken to me as he's already spoken to your pastor. I want to give honor to Pastor Gene, his lovely wife. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Uh, Kyle, and Amanda, it's so great to be with our family. Gary and Judy, we love you just like family as well. So we include you guys as family. And so good to be with those lovely folks. And every one of you, uh, we greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus today. And pray that the Lord blesses you in a great way. Will you just be with me for a few more moments this morning? All right. Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 to 33. Amen. And I believe the Holy Ghost is just going to do something uh, even greater here in this place. It says in verse 27 of Numbers chapter 13, it says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for... We are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to talk to you for the next few moments this morning about the power of your perspective. Amen. The power of your perspective. Amen. How you see things. What do you see in the kingdom of God? And what do you see for your life and what God is going to do in your midst? And if you'll just pray one more time with me. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray, oh God, that you would just have your way into service as you've already done, as you've already touched and already moved in lives. Let your word go forth one more time and perform that which you desire to do. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit, Lord. In your mighty name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What we see in this story here, just to give you a, a brief overview, these men were chosen to spy out the land of Canaan. Were not just ordinary men. They were rulers from each of the twelve tribes. And so... Not being ordinary men, they were recognized by their, their peers as being a, a great leader. And so they considered it a great honor to be chosen by Moses to be a part of this powerful group of men who would go get that first glimpse of the promised land. That those men would go and they would see and explore and bring back a report to the entire nation for everybody to hear about the exciting things that God wanted to do. In that promised land. And so Moses, their leader, instructed them and he says, Go see what the land is like. See what the people are like. Are they weak? Are they strong? Are they few? Are they many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they have? Are, are they unwalled? Are they for, uh, fortified? Are, how is the soil over there? Is it fertile or is it poor? And then he also instructed them with, <clears throat> with those instructions. He said, <clears throat> Do your best to bring back the fruit of the land because the Bible said, It was the season of the first ripe grapes. And I like this part because Moses said, don't just go over there and see the promised land, but bring us back a little taste. Bring us back a little taste so we can partake and we can be excited about the promises that are before us. And sometimes that's the same way we are in church. You know, we ask God and we say, God, let it rain. Let it rain so we can just have a little taste. Let it sprinkle on us, Lord. But sometimes we really need to pray for the whole thing. God, let it all fall on us. Let it just come on down. So we can have that promise that you've been promising us for a long time. But in this story that we are reading about today, what these men did not know that this moment would be a test more than anything of their perspective of God and his promises and then a test of their outlook on life. And little did they realize that this assignment would be that very defining moment of their careers, how they perceived and how they spoke about what they saw on assignment would determine their personal destiny and then that of a nation as well. So they saw 40 days of viewing the abundance of land that flowed with milk and honey pass by. It looked really good. 40 days of marveling at the richness of the soil, the purity of the water, the abundance of the crops. 40 days of measuring the strength of the cities, of the villages, of the enemy. And now this time has come to give their perspective of the whole thing to the ears of those who wait with great anticipation for their return. And here's what they said to them, and this is what they said. We came to that land with it, I sent us. Surely it it looked really good. It floweth with milk and honey. Here is a little taste, the fruit of it. But nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in this land and the cities are walled and very great. And we saw the children of Anak. I want you to notice something, which I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to deal with us in the service today. The only reason, the only reason, I'm going to say this in love, And then I'm going to say it and I'm going to leave today because I won't be back. But the only reason that we ever see the presence of God stop in our midst is because we as a people magnify the negatives in our lives. And we magnify the negatives in the midst of the presence of God. Notice how they said and how they magnified the negative and they said the land eats up the inhabitants and all the men are of great stature. I've been in services. I know what it was like to be a young person, to look around me. And when people said, it's time to pray, when I would thought in my mind and I would say, well, somebody's looking at me. Do you see so-and-so? They're getting a good dose of the Holy Ghost. I surely can't get what they're getting over there. And we would magnify the negative. And so it is that it seems like it's human nature in our lives to always allow that negative a voice in our lives. We allow the bad news to consume us and then we enlarge upon it. And it seems like we can have a Sunday morning service like we had today, where the power and the blessings of God is flowing in this place, and, and the moving of the Spirit is doing things and working in our midst. But let somebody be upset about your situation. Let somebody have a problem in their life. Let somebody just reflect on the negative, and the tendency of everyone else is to reflect on those things as well. There we saw the giants, and we were as grasshoppers. Essentially, what they were saying in their situations is that we saw ourselves as being defeated. Our perspective told us that we did not have a chance to go into the promise and receive it in our lives. Our perspective told us that we were nothing but grasshopper in the sight of these peoples. And so we saw ourselves and so they saw us. And in the midst of all that negativity, I thank God that there was men of faith that went into the promised land. You know what? No matter what, even though God probably knew that there was going to be 10 negative men that would walk into the promised land and come back with an evil report. He says, I'm going to send somebody that's just going to have an inkling of faith. Somebody that's going to stir up some people and say, let's believe in the promise. Let's believe in what God has for us. Let's believe in greater things. Let's believe that we can have what he's promised us. And in the midst of that negativity, the Bible tells us that Joshua, the son of Nun, Him and Caleb, they tore their clothes and they spake these words. And these words rang through to the people. And they said these words and they said, the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I don't know about you today, but in the midst of everything that is going on, in the midst of every struggle, I want to be back home right now. I want to be back in the UK. I want to be working in the field. But in the midst of it all, I've got to understand something, that God is working in my midst. God is working in my life. And all I have to say this morning is, don't worry, James. The Lord is with you. Just fear it not. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about the ups and the downs. Don't worry about the provisions. Don't worry about the blessings that need to come your way. The Lord is with you. Fear not. I wonder if somebody will say that in their spirit today that God is with me. I will not fear. I will not worry. I will not be distressed. I will just believe that God is going to do it. Hallelujah. We need the Lord to work in our lives, but we need to believe that He will work in our lives. Now, when we read the Bible, Moving forward, it says that there's nothing that records or suggests that this man, Joshua or Caleb, were any greater than the other ten rulers of the tribe of Israel prior to the story. But that same experience would catapult Joshua and Caleb into God's Hall of Fame and cause them to be remembered with respect and honor throughout the ages. That would essentially drop the other ten into God's uh, nameless hall of shame, where they would not be remembered. And I can ask you that question this morning. I'm sure nobody can follow along unless you've read your Bible this morning about this story. But is there anybody who can recite those 10 men's names? No, we don't remember them. We don't remember those that were unfaithful, that had no faith. We don't remember those that dispersed the negative. We don't remember those that cast dispersion on the promises. We don't remember those ones. We just remember the ones that stood up and said, I believe. Amen. Amen. So I've asked myself this question. What is it that can cause that same trial, that same experience, the same situation which will bring glory in one but groaning in another, shame and another, fame in one's life, or fulfillment to one and failure to another? You see, all 12 of these men witnessed that very same event. They all went to the same places. All 12 spies hazarded their lives for the very same experience. But still, in the midst of all that, these 10 said... The people be strong that dwell in the land. But I thank God that there was two that stood up and said they are bred for us. Even though the ten from the world would stand up and say the cities are walled and very great. There were still two men of God left. That would say let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Even though the ten would say we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The two would get up and say, no, 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 no. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us. We will not fear them. Even though the ten would say we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, so we were in their sight. There was two men of God that said, if the Lord delight in us, then he will surely bring us unto this land and he will give it to us. I submit to somebody today that your life, your hopes, your dreams, your relationship, your future, this kingdom of God will always be a matter of your perspective. A matter of your perspective. God can step into this place right now. He can put all the promises on this altar. He can lay it all out before you. But unless you believe that you can receive it, nothing will happen. And here's the the crux of it all. My greatest enemy is not the devil. My greatest enemy is not even the saint in the church. It is not any other than the person who resides within me. It is this person that gives me the greatest challenge, this body that gives me the greatest challenge. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It does give us some challenges. It is my perspective this morning that will decide for me whether satisfying or neglectful or sad. It is my perspective this morning that will make the difference whether I have an apostolic move of God or an apostolic relationship with God in my life. It is my perspective that will change those things. You see, there is no devil. There is no Judas. There is no spirit of evil. There is no power of darkness because Jesus said, who can resist the power of the church? For Christ said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the only one That's prevailing against the church is this. There's no spirit disrupting the church. Now, we carry some things and we carry some weights. I know all those things, but I'm not going to be wishy-washy this morning. I'm just going to be plain. The only one that will disrupt the service will be us. The only one that will disrupt the flow of the Holy Ghost movement will be us. won't be anything else. The devil didn't creep in here. He don't want to be here this morning. He don't want to be in the midst of the presence of God. He don't want to be where all the blessings of God are being poured. He's out there somewhere else. But the only one messing up the service this morning is us. This is in my notes. And I, you, you folks know what's happening this morning. This is ordained of God, okay? I'm just going to preach what the Lord lay on my So my problem is me. My problem is my perspective How I view life, how I view myself, how I view others, but most importantly this morning, how I view God. My perspective this morning, it is the view of our true selves. Its roots are always inwards, but its fruits are always going to produce outwards. It will be my best friend or my worst enemy. It is my outward look. It is that thing that will draw people to us or it's going to repel them from me. It will give me hope for today, or it will surely steal my tomorrow. It will never be content until it's expressed. It can be the librarian of my past, the speaker of my present, the prophet of my future. What is it? It is my kingdom perspective. And the only thing that will hinder revival come to me today or at any point in my life is my outlook on life, my perspective. You see this morning, Saints of God, our perspective is our mental view. It is our outward look. It is our attitude towards life. The things that we choose to see and the things that we choose not to see. Ten years ago, when I was called to Scotland, I went on a vacation whim. Let me tell you a little bit of my testimony. I went on a vacation whim. I didn't plan to go to Scotland. I didn't feel God called me to Scotland. I went to have fun. Went to have some good fun. And so when I got there, I remember getting there and all of a sudden some things happened. I do remember the first day because that's when I met my lovely wife. Um, But a couple days after that, the Holy Ghost began dealing with me right away. And I kept challenging the Lord. I said, why? What's this? I I came here to have some fun, but the Lord began to put some things on my heart and my mind. And at one point I was driving down the road with my dad in the car. My dad's one of those guys, you just really have to know him to know him. I'm driving there trying to be a man. You know, you just always want to be a man in front of your dad. And all of a sudden I start weeping and crying, slobbering on his uh, passenger window. So I kind of turned my head to the side, kind of just wiping my nose and everything. and just saying, don't let him see me. But the Holy Ghost is really dealing me at that moment. And being a young man, you know, 24, still looking for my dad's, you know, approval just to kind of guide me and just, you know, encourage me. So I kind of look over with my nose running my eyes and everything all messed up. And look at him and say, you going to say something? He says, no. I said, why not? He said, because I know what the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. I said, Oh. He said, God is laying some things on your heart and God's making a call and preparing a way for you to come back here, isn't he? And I said, yes, yes, he is. Because I knew in that moment, not only was the Holy Ghost just beginning to do something in my life, but the Lord was calling me to some great things. Now, 10 years ago, I felt revival, revival, revival oh, wow. whoo, in my spirit. Promised land, promised land all over the place. Revival. Excited. Tear it up. Coming. Coming, UK. Watch out. Coming. Got there and found out that I had a lot of things to work in my life. There was a little problems in my own self that I had to sort out. Let alone get deal with the culture and figure out what people are like. And, and then work in the midst of them and then and provide. And then all of a sudden family and all these other things. My problems started mounting up just a lot of things. But along the way I can remember that I would pray and I say, God, don't ever let me lose view of what you promised me. Doesn't mean that along the way I didn't make steps And make mistakes or anything like that. But for the last 10 years, I can surely say today that I said, God, don't let me ever lose the view of your promise. Remember the first church we pastored just over seven years ago. And uh, when we stepped in that church, I was afraid to death. Pastored that church for almost 20 months. And I said, Lord, surely this is not everything. We had nine people and that included the four, my wife and I and another family and another couple young people. And so we stepped in. I said, God, what do you want to do in this church? Within 20 months, we were on almost 27 on a Sunday morning. God had built that church up. We, we even said, okay, well, folks, let's, make, let's, let's promise the Lord we're going to see at least one person get filled with the Holy Ghost in six months. We had four in three months, and three got, got baptized. So we had things happening all over the place. God was doing it. But along the way, there were some tough times, learned some, some hard lessons, but kept believing in the promise. Now, does that mean that was the, all the promise that God had for us? No. God had greater things that he had in store. Yeah. We went back to, to Glasgow, Scotland, and it was one of those things, you know, working with family is always an interesting dynamic. But the Lord brought us back, and he made a way, and he opened up doors, and this is what we felt he was directing us to. And so just a little over three and a half years ago, we started pastoring the work first when the, the Kellys went on their deputation. And uh, so we got down and prayed said, God, where's that promise? Where's that promised land? Looking to the, with perspective. God, where's that promise? At that time, our church was running about 65, 70 on a Sunday morning. So we were having a bit of a struggle. Now, for those that know, that church has been there for over 34 years with one church in a city of 2.1 million. You talk, you guys are well ahead of the curve here in Salem. It doesn't mean that this is all God has. But you're, you're already there. We, we were... We were 65, one church, and 2.1 million. We were far behind. So I said, no, God, the promised land is yet before us. We've not even stepped into all that promise. And so we began to believe, and as a church and as a body, some things began to change. And on our last service last year when we left the, the church on, a, on June the 4th was our last Sunday service. We had 162 in service on a Sunday morning. That's That's God. Within three years, we'd almost but double. Now, we don't run 162 every Sunday morning, but that was one of our largest. Our largest service uh, that we had was over, we had well over 200 come in on one service. And so we had God pouring out his blessing in a mighty way. On a normal regular year, we'd say about 10 average receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? Last year before we left, we had 24 get baptized and 18 filled with the Holy Ghost in six months. By the end of this year, we're already putting our totals together. It looks like we've had about 40 get the Holy Ghost where we would only have 10. The promise is still there. We believe that God was going to do it. And we know that God's been pouring out His Spirit in great ways. While we've been on the road, we said, God, we've even challenged ourselves. And let me tell you, I'm just sharing this with you this morning. I'm not going to be much longer, I promise. But we said, God, we know that you're going to still do great things in our country. And so we said, even though, we've left, even though we have left the, uh, the UK, we said, we don't want to leave the work. And so there was a few things we had left behind, but we left some vision behind. And so we, we said to our team, we want to start some works. And there was one work that we had started in the Northeast, and it was running about 11 in that group. And so that was kind of staying steady. It had some ups and downs. But there was a group in the Southeast of Glasgow that we wanted to get going because they were crying for us to come pick them up. But we couldn't do it. We just didn't have the facilities or anything to do it. And so we said, Lord, we just want to get a group started over there and start a church. Well, when we left, that kind of failed and started faltering. I said, no, sweetheart, it's not going to fail. It's not going to fall apart. We're just going to believe that God is going to help us. And through the the work of the leaders there, this work will be built up. Well, it wasn't but about a month and a half into our deputation. We get the phone call and said, come on, on, Pastor. I've got an exciting story for you. we got an open door in this house group, and we're running about 15. Now, they've been running about 15 steady in that house group. Every two weeks, they're doing a a Bible study. And we're looking for buildings and halls to rental already. But God is opening up those doors. Amen. And then just over three weeks ago, we got another exciting story where they told us that in the city center, we have another group that's running about 14 in the city center. So right now, we have three groups that are running about 13, 14 people in it. And God is beginning to open up the doors. Now, let me tell you, when we go back, I told, I told the team, I said, you better be right. I'm not hitting the ground running. Try to soften up and soften the blow and say, you know, Brother Big's back. You know, let's get used and, and, and reconnect. No, when we hit the ground, we're coming to do some work. We're coming to do some things that God has gone. And we're walking forward into the promised land and going to believe in what God has for us. We also preach over sometimes on Sunday mornings. We'll preach and uh, just in November when we preached over the Skype on a Sunday morning service, we thank God that two got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and two were baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're doing whatever we can while we're on the field and we need your help to get us back. But the Lord believe, I believe the Lord is going to do greater things. Let me tell you what I feel and just so I can close here in a couple minutes. You see, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we've got to have a greater perspective. And like it's been said so many times through your pastor, through Brother Kyle this morning, that our eyes need to be opened, Amen. but they need to be opened with faith this morning. You see, often with our perspective, we think that God does addition plus addition, but that's not the way the kingdom of God works. You see, the only way that God does addition in our lives or adds into our lives is by subtraction. And a lot of times in our view, in our, in our outward look, there's so much in the picture. When we need to start subtracting some things that are being a distraction, and when we subtract those things, then God is going to bring the addition into our lives. That only comes through being persuaded Christians. David said it like this, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Paul told us that nothing would separate him from the love of God. Nothing would separate him from the love of God. And, And we surely say that Paul was persuaded because he made it through all things. And look at his story, look at the great missionary testimony they had. But he wasn't persuaded after the fact, he was persuaded before the fact. Because if you're not persuaded before you go into it, you're surely not going to be persuaded when you come out. You see the one instance in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 where Paul in his obedience to preach the gospel and, uh, and, and sacrifice his life ended up beaten in jail with Silas. Yet it was his perspective of God that got him out. His perspective of praise and his perspective of who God was in his life opened the doors Not only opened the doors to the jail cell and and saw them get their freedom, but it also filled the jailer with the Spirit of God and his family was saved because of that. You see, our perspective is built on a few things. Faith or fear. Belief or unbelief. Trust or distrust. Honor or dishonor. Respect or disrespect. Positive or negative things. But your perspective will always be the filter through which you look at your life. That's why someone once said, you don't see things as they are. You only see them as you are. Because everything you look at is is looking through your perspective, not somebody else's. The hardest thing to tell you this morning is that we can all see the same thing. And the only same thing is going to be for the kingdom of God. But when it comes to your life, you have to see it for yourself. See, the kingdom of God and the perspective of the kingdom will always remain the same. But when it comes to your life, your victories, you've got to see the way that God sees it for you. And I could point across this room to each and every individual and tell you that you can see it my way, but you can't. You've got to see it for yourself. You've got to see it for yourself. So in life, what matters at the end of the day, no matter who is looking, no matter how you view it, the picture of the kingdom is still the same. Reach the lost, win the lost, teach them, show them the way to Jesus Christ. But your perspective about your life and your victories is going to be everything that you believe. So we need to start speaking faith as we've been taught this morning because faith will cast a line out into the deep and it's going to grab a hold of hope. we got to get every word of unbelief, every word of fear, every word of doubt out of our lives. When you look at the story, we see that some saw the promised land as a place of sure defeat and torturous death. Some even prophesied and predicted it would be so. But some people saw it as God's gift and the most promising land in the world. It was a matter of perspective. Some saw the tabernacle in the wilderness as nothing but a sorry-looking contraption with pelts strung over poles. But some saw it as a meeting place with Almighty God. It was a matter of perspective. Some saw Moses as a self-appointed dictator who imposed his will on the people. But some saw Moses as the man of God. It was a matter of perspective. Some saw the giants, but some saw the greats. Some saw looked through the eyes of fear and distrust, while others looked through the eyes of faith and trust in God. Some died in the wilderness and some lived in the promised land. It was a matter of perspective. That's why 2 Chronicles 20 says it, twenty verse 20 says it like this. And they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe His prophets, and so shall ye prosper. The reason we need to speak faith over our life this morning is that you better live by faith or you will die in your doubt. You will die in your own insecurities if you don't speak faith over your life. Hallelujah. I haven't come this far this morning to be a wilderness dweller. I haven't come this far this morning to gaze over in the promised land of revival and lay down and die. But I choose to believe God and faith is the substance of what life is all about. That's why I want to believe in the promise that God has for my life. But faith is the only key. Faith is the key and God is trying to make us to look through the eyes of faith. That's how the elders obtained a good report. That's how heroes of faith survived, not only survived, but they thrived by faith. And I feel like the devil is viciously attacking the faith of the people of God. We see, and I'm not teaching end time today, but you see end time, people's eyes are going to be turned. Turned in a different direction. That's people that could be sitting beside you today, and that hurts to the deepest hurt. But today we need to make a choice all over again to believe and to be established in faith as you're standing with me this morning. The Word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I want to think that I can receive the promise of God if I want it. We've not seen everything that God has for us. I really feel like we can have a move of the Holy Ghost one more time before we leave the service this morning. I don't know about you folks, but I'm sick and tired of being beat up by life. By all the things going on around me. Distractions and everything taking place. I don't know how many times I've come into a service and I've missed a beat because I've let something else distract me and I've missed my blessing of God. I'm talking to somebody here today and this is what I felt in the Holy Ghost while I was praying this morning. And I'll tell you in a moment what the Lord spoke to me over this church and over this body by feeling the Holy Ghost there's some of you that have promises on your life yes. Amen. and I speak to those that have family members you've been praying for for a long time asking the Lord to bring those family members to the church you've been praying for a long time and you're saying God you've not done it when are you going to do it some of you have been praying for years and God's still not brought them to the church and he's not yet filled them with the spirit and you've lost focus of the promises of God your perspective has changed a little bit God is saying to you today, get a new perspective. Get eyes of faith on you. Let the Lord just do a work in your life and change your view of things and refresh that perspective and let you know today. He wants to let you know that he's still going to do it. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have been praying for a miracle in your life. Some of you have been praying so hard that God would just do something, healing in your body, provide a way, make a way. And you're giving up on God because you have not yet seen the promise. God's timing is the most perfect timing that will ever happen in your life. When it comes to you, it will be the best timing. It will be the right place. It will be the right blessing. and It will be the most perfect thing. Don't give up on God because you've not yet received everything that you need to receive in your life. God is going to do it. Here's what the Holy Ghost spoke to me in my prayers this morning and i believe it coincides with everything that's been said and spoken in the service he said james he's refreshed this word he said james if you can get them to see it and just believe one more time i will surely bring it to pass in their life i can't do everything but you somebody's got to grab a hold of this this morning and say it's going to happen yeah. it's going to happen Don't lose hope this morning. Yes, I see you as you're raising your hands this morning. Don't lose hope. you got to see it. you got to believe it. And then you got to let God bring it to pass in your life this morning. Some of you have been praying for the Holy Ghost and you've not yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. God's just saying this morning, if you will see yourself being filled with the Holy Ghost and you will believe on it, he will do the rest of the work in your life. He will fill you with his spirit to overflow and you will get what you need for your life today. You just got to see it don't give up on God because you've not seen his promises can we just close our eyes just for a moment just bow our heads and let the Holy Ghost just speak to us I want to do one more thing in his service I'm wondering if we could uh, if I could just borrow these young people that were praying here this morning I felt to do this in the service could I just have these young people would you come up here and help me this morning such tender Faith in these young people as they were praying. Every one of you, if you were praying in this group this morning, I want you to come up and just face this congregation right here. Just look on them, okay? Such great faith in these young people this morning. I saw them. My heart, my heart was overwhelmed this morning with these young people praying in faith. But God reminded me something. I remember being like one of these young people getting in church and not really caring about all you folks in the back and not caring about anything else not really having a lot of bills to pay, but having great faith as a young person. But you see, in the Word of God, Jesus honors honors the childlike faith because he reminds us that we so quickly forget what that kind of faith is like. And so I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning, I want these young people with their eyes of faith, young people, some of you already feel in the Holy Ghost this morning. I know some of you are believing things for your parents, maybe for your friends, for your schools. I want these young people to pray for each and every one of us here this morning. Is this all right? Young people, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, lift up your hands. Whatever you feel in your heart, that you feel the Lord is wanting you to speak a word of faith. I want you to just begin to speak that over this audience. And as as they're praying, congregation, as they're praying this morning, if you have a need in your life, I want you to step out and just let the Holy Ghost minister to you in your life. If you've been praying for a long time for the Lord to do something and you've not yet seen it, I want you to step in front of these young people this morning as they're praying as they're lifting up their voices, as they're speaking a word of faith, I want you to step out this morning and just say, God, I've not yet forgotten, nor will I ever forget, Lord. Refresh my eyes of faith this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, young people, let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Let the Holy Ghost move in your... Come on. I know you got faith. I know you got faith for your parents. I know you got faith for your lives. There's people standing in front of you right now, believing that you're going to speak a word of faith over their lives. Come on, young person, stretch out your hands, stretch out your faith right now. Speak over their lives. Come on, young person, I said, let the Lord use you, let the Holy Ghost move through you right now. Come on, speak a word of faith for this body today.